Exegesis. Welcome to Countdown to Exegesis, the podcast where we gaze into Steely Dan until Steely Dan gazes into us. I'm your host, Ollie Piper, and I'm joined today, as usual, by the venerable Andrew Souter. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Ollie. Do you want to explain the concept for our newcomers, Andrew? Because I've done it badly every single episode so far. Okay. Uh, you are putting me on the spot here because your mangled explanations were planned, right? No. No, you you were improvising. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So we're on a level playing field. Well, just, I mean, this is a test as well, just to see that you actually understand what's happening to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a podcast is like a radio show in downloadable form. Um, mm-hmm. You can stream it on your phone. Tablets. Don't be a don't be a don't be a silly boy. Okay, I'll stop being a silly boy. So our podcast, Countdown to Exegesis, is a song by song examination of the discography of Steely Dan. We are working chronologically through the tracks on each of the Steely Dan albums. Um song at a time. And we're looking at the music, the lyrics, the context, the vibe, uh, and also waffling quite a lot. We waffle an awful lot. And yeah. Andrew dislikes Steely Dan, I think that's fair to say, at this stage. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair thing to say. I adore the Dan. I stand for Dan. Dan are my blood, my being, mm-hmm. my everything. Your marrow. They are in my bones. Mm. Keeping me afloat. Yeah. I would say that they have now... We're on episode four, and by this point they have seeped into my everyday consciousness of the world in a slightly frustrating way, in that I seem to see Dan everywhere. Um, When I say everywhere, I mean mainly on social media. But I just seem to see references to Dan quite a lot. Uh, and also I find myself thinking about them, you know, as I drift in and out of fitful sleep. And this is the start, and I'm so pleased that you're suffering already. Mm. Because this happens to everyone as they as they listen to Steely Dan. And, and as I listen to Steely Dan, um, in a roughly chronological order myself, I, I, I found myself thinking about the Dan, even though I didn't particularly enjoy this album on first listen, mm. it did seep its way into my dreams and my <laughs> wakefulness yeah. and my toilet breaks yeah. and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. mostly Dan memes nowadays, isn't it? That's, that's, that's where your big exposure to Dan is. Well, I'd never heard of Dan memes before, again, before starting this podcast and then suddenly became aware that they're a thriving industry. Well, I wasn't aware either. It's it's only through you mm. as as a kind of social media silicon guru. <laughs> yeah. With your long hair and your flower power. Yeah. Of the and two your uh, free market uh, ideas. Okay, don't don't impugn my virtue just because I <laughs> use Instagram more than you do. Fuck it out. but yes, I do use Instagram more than you. Um, yeah. Um but yeah, they're everywhere. I think I think Good. I think that's the thing. I don't think I realised how successful they are. I They're think, successful yeah. amongst a, a very particular brand of like disenchanted thirty somethings. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, you know, give us a few more hours of the these conversations. I should be swung round to them because I am a disenchanted thirty something. Well, exactly. Yeah. And okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just mention a couple of Dan memes I've seen recently. Actually, Great. since you since you introduced me to them, mm-hmm. um, someone said listening to Steely Dan yep. feels like lounging on a beach while it's being demolished around you or something to that ilk. Mm. How which do you I thought was? How do you demolish a beach? Well, maybe it was. Uh, it was probably a bit more. It was probably like they're demolishing the beach houses or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I told it badly. Yeah. Which I, which I think is you know it 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 sums up the uh, the dichotomy of Dan, which we, which we've been kind of scraping for ourselves. Yeah. In kind of creating our um, our, our Dan our Dan character, our manifestation of Dan. Yeah. As I described him as a kind of semen-stained car salesman. Yes, and that has stuck in my mind. Uh, yeah. Also, do you remember during the phone hacking scandal, um, you'll remember that the News of the World hacked the phone of Millie Dowler, the young girl who went missing? I mean, this got... We're, we're, we're not even <laughs> seven minutes in. No, this is relevant. Okay. So during this... Um, during this very dark chapter of our recent history, um, a man who used to work for the News of the World went on to Newsnight several times. I can't remember his name. It was something like McMullen or McMillan. And he was an incredibly shabby man. He looked like he'd been sleeping in his car for nights on end and was just mm. waiting to be summoned to be to, to defend the News of the World. Um, and just that level of seediness and bad skin and craven eyes to me that is the spirit of dan but also with a veneer of just like cool okay well he didn't have any veneer of cool like he was being he was being interviewed by somebody like andrew marr and andrew marr looked hip by comparison well no i don't think you've quite hit on dan then okay well it's a it's a learning curve isn't it it's California sunshine and the the like stained underbelly of 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 the sun. Okay, so what we need to add to that mental picture is the Californian sunshine, the LA boulevards, the palm trees swaying. We need to add that to the seediness. Well, I mean, despite being New York songwriters, um, you know, I think well, actually, I think what Steely Dan do is they bring they bring kind of New York cynicism to the LA environment because they are they are literally New York songwriters who moved to the West Coast and lived the LA life. Yeah. So, and and LA is a city of contradictions, but what it it presents itself to the world as as being sunshine and golden stars on the sidewalk and mm. all the rest of it. But of course, then you've got like Skid Row and you've got yeah. just miles of like mm. destitution. Um, I think it might be time for me to mention Randy Newman, um, <laughs> because it's okay. been okay. You know, record. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few. It's been what seven minutes. Yeah. So I think it's about time. Um, get, yeah. Talk, get, let's have a little Randy segment then. Oh, please welcome back, Mr. Randy Newman. Randy. I think what you're uh, getting at there with regards to LA is expressed very well by 
your friend and mine, Randy Newman, in his song, I Love L.A., um, where it seems to be a very triumphalist, gaudy, garish celebration of L.A. as like the city of sunshine and the city of hot chicks and fast cars. But then there's a line about, look at that bum over there, he's down on his knees, which he kind of throws in, almost as if it adds to the glory of the city, that it's mm. that it has this destitute population, you know. But it seems as though Steely Dan, you know, they are interested in the... They they would be pointing past the palm tree at the homeless guy being sick underneath it. Yeah, I think I, I, I think that's fairly on the money, but I don't think I think whereas Randy mm-hmm. good old friend Randy, he has a he's he always has the um he always has the air of a kind of good hearted cynic commentator. Yeah. Um who 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 creates these kind of song allegories slash jokes to kind of get a message across. Yeah. With Steely Dan there's almost never a moral message. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of we're living this life and we we can also see all the shitness mm-hmm. just beneath the surface of this life. And we're and we just going care. to basically observe it. <laughs> and if, if we show any emotion, it's a kind of New York snarl. Okay, so if Steely Dan was a sitcom, it would be Arrested Development. Potentially, but I can't comment because I've never seen it. In that case, I'm going to say that my point definitely stands. Excellent. Right yeah. in. Arrested Development. Yeah. Fans, and tell Andrew he's wrong. <laughs> His ham-fisted exegesis in last month's Vanity Fair made me cringe. Yeah, but I think that is a niche, and I think as the popularity of this podcast grows, we should branch <laughs> off into ASMR about Steely Dan. Um, I mean, if we work on our Becker and Fagan impressions, we could even do, like, bootleg. Mm. I mean, obviously it would have to be, sorry, for, sorry, Becker, God rest your soul, like seance, like like maybe like yeah, like mm. Fagan doing a seance <laughs> to contact Becca beyond yeah. the grave has ASMR. And who else is there at the seance? Um, the guy who did the Purdy Gary Katz, <laughs> Snooky Yug, <laughs> um, your friend and mine. Uh, what's he called? Jim David Hodder. Palmer. Jim Hodder. Oh, Jim Hodder. Yeah, yeah, Who, fuck Palmer. We've 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 seen the back of you, Palmer. We're all about Jim now. Yeah. Come on in, Jim. Jim, mate. Jim. 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 Come in. Come in, mate. Yeah. Sit down, mate. Just come and come and have a drink with us, mate. He, he's dead as well. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh shit. Okay, so maybe oh, it could sorry. be maybe it could be a séance summoning all the ghosts of Dan past, mm. like all the departed. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, the, I mean, are they, I mean, Fagan probably wouldn't call them absent friends, would he? No, he'd he'd call them like what would he call them? Like absent <laughs> accompanists. Yeah, former employees. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, I feel like he would have no interest in what the afterlife was like. He'd just say, "Oh, hey, you look like shit." <laughs> Remember that time I made you do that take twenty-four times. Yeah, fucker. 
I don't yeah, know whether this is even, just, e- even closely resembles Fagan's voice. I was, he's just kind of like, oh yeah, no, I was, I was, actually, I was practicing in my bathroom earlier, actually. Mm. There's something you don't admit every day. No, I was trying to do a, a Fagan impression earlier. It's just kind of, you know, he's, he's just kind of, he just kind of talks slow and but that's quite kind cute. of monotone. Yeah. That you sound like a, a lovely cartoon bear. Yeah, no, I've gone a bit like I've gone Whereas a bit fuzzy bear, haven't I? He's more like kind of like he's not quite the Godfather. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I'm going to stop trying to impersonate him. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll anyway we'll workshop the voices in time for the um, for the séance video. It's a video. Well, yeah, I was assuming we'd all have kind of uh, elaborate makeup on. Oh wow! I mean, yeah, um, yeah. If, why not? I mean, I'd barely need makeup to play Fagan. It's true, yeah, yeah. But at my back from time to time I hear the sound of horns and motors which shall bring Sweeney to Mrs. Porter in the spring. Today, dear listeners, we're discussing the fourth song on Can't Buy a Thrill, Steely Dan's debut album, and that is Midnight Cruiser. Mm. Um, Before we talk about the song, as is traditional, I'm going to ask Andrew, I'm going to ask Andrew what he is drinking. Andrew, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a bottle of timothy taylor's landlord fuck's sake which as the label says is the classic pale ale it's got the definite article on it it's 4.1 percent so very nice session ale it reminds me of of coziness of great times uh and i would recommend it strongly to anyone who just wants to enjoy themselves a little anyone who happens to be in the middle of a pandemic and wants to be reminded of happier times well, it's it's created happy times for me within the pandemic. Like it's still okay. it's still there. You know what I mean? This is just drunk nights alone. Just you know gargling it, yeah. your pale ale. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking back the paracetamol with uh with Timothy Taylor's landlord. <laughs> and uh just just finding really interesting shapes in the wall. We need to be Way more interesting with our drinks. If this is good, if this is going to be a perpetual feature, and you come every week with a slightly different, like British British ale, I'm drinking a uh, a diet friendly vegetable drink. I'm off the alcohol um, today. Uh, we both had little kind of creative ventures last week exercising mm-hmm. our musical lobes um for me that involved a, a lovely time uh of of yeah rampant creativity and and just throwing paint at the wall and seeing what sticks and also and also like just gently drinking for mm-hmm. for 10 hours straight every day yeah um so uh so i'm taking it easy with a with a drink whose branding shall remain nameless. Um, Is it an innocent lest... smoothie? No, it's a diet-friendly vegetable drink. 
Um, oh, I see. You're being coy. It's a Diet Coke. If my if my mother's Ollie, listening, Ollie, we might be... get a sponsorship from Diet Coke. <laughs> Say the name. My mum would be so Look, she'd be Ollie, so angry if Ollie, she knew what I was drinking. She'd Ollie, be like, Ollie, Ollie, you're doing a good impression of my mum, actually. Yeah. Ollie, 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 Ollie. What would Ollie? You don't want to, don't drink. You don't want to be drinking Diet Coke. You, you don't want to be supporting a murderous corporation. What would Mark Thomas say? Mm. She's got a very good point. No, I know she's Can got you... a very good point. She she often does. <laughs> All I will say, Ollie, is that there is a a reason why I've been choosing broadly similar pale ales for the past four episodes. And uh... the, and the reason is, we need Muller. Okay, we need Spondos. Right. Um... So, if 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 if. If the uh, the men in suits at Timothy Taylor, right? If they hear this episode, they might think, "Here is a bright, articulate man with some really interesting thoughts about Jim Hodder's vocals." <laughs> Timothy Taylor. Sorry, just just Wikipedia can help us out here. Yeah. Mm, Madonna's favorite beer. Oh. Andrew, do you want some song facts? I've... Before you, give me a... the, before you give me the song, song facts, I would really like to come up with a pun on like a virgin or like a prayer and a brand of pale ale. That's what like I'd really a, like. Like a beer, beer, like a beer, beer. Is that meant to be a pun on like a prayer? Yeah. Okay. But, but beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it needs work, doesn't it? Um, I, I just know that there will be an ale which rhymes with either virgin or prayer. Mm-hmm. And then we can just cut it in. So it will go like, you'll say, oh, it's Madonna's favourite ale. And then I'll say, oh, I thought that would be like a mare. Hang <laughs> on, here we go, here we go. Oh, Madonna's favourite ale is Landlord. I thought it was like a hop in hair. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure that was much better than my, like... <laughs> Oh dear. <clears throat> I'll give you some song facts. Mm. I'll be honest, song facts for Midnight Cruiser are fairly scant. I think this is the deep cut, deep cut of the record. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, there's not much to say about it really. It was described in the original liner notes as having frank industrial grade polish. Okay. I mean, I'm not sure I'd choose that song, this song for that description. But, um, it was sung by drummer Jim Hodder for the uh, his turn on the revolving carousel of Steely Dan members taking lead vocals on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, his only appearance as lead vocalist on a Steely Dan song. He was formerly the drummer and the singer, the, the rare breed, um, of the psychedelic band Bead Game. Is that uh, after the Herman Hess novel? It is indeed. Mm. The Glass Bead Game. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, have you? Did, I don't suppose you listened to Bead Game. This is the first time you've heard of them. I've never heard of them before. Okay. Are They're they not good? very good. I listened to them today for the oh, first shit. time. They are absolutely kind of mediocre, um, late psychedelia slash early progressive rock. Right. Right. Sorry, Jim. 
Well, I thought listening to this song, oh, Palmer's having an off day. Oh, did you really? And then I, I realised it I was Honda. I think got quite a sweet voice, actually. But, okay, fine. So, Becca would sing this in concert when, mm-hmm. at least when Dan returned in the mid-90s. Okay. Um, so, this is another song to add to our list. We've talked about this a bit, of songs that uh, Fagan didn't, stopped, never sang live. Well, as far as I know. I don't know, I don't know about the early live history of this song. And we were kind of saying, well... You know, making grand judgments regarding that when we were talking about dirty work, like oh maybe, well mainly I was doing that, but saying oh maybe maybe Fagan just doesn't feel comfortable in the role of this this mm-hmm. vocalist or, or, or of the protagonist of this song. Uh, I th- there's also there's also there's always the possibility also that maybe Steely Dan moved away from writing this kind of song simply because it didn't suit Fagan's voice. Yeah. So maybe it was maybe it was Fagan's voice to a certain extent that led them into the kind of sneering New York jazz direction. Well, I think that is a possibility. Uh but also it occurred to me today that maybe Steely Dan in having this revolving cast of lead vocalists were trying to hop on a bandwagon because around this time in 1972, famous acts included the band, who have three lead vocalists, Danko, Can I Helm. just point out to listeners that Andrew... I've spoken to Andrew about music before. He does have more than four reference points for music. <laughs> I don't know why he keeps bringing up the band and our friend Randy Newman. No, your friend and mine, Randy Newman. Sorry. <laughs> my friend and yours, Randy Newman. Um, it, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's he's an illustrious canvas of musicality. Yeah, but he to to you who's just been introduced to Mister Suter mm-hmm. might just think that all he knows. <laughs> I mean, I I really like the band, so that it, it's not um, misrepresentative. Of, yeah, of my okay. of my taste, but yes, I have mentioned them every episode, um, and I don't know why. It puts I don't me know why in the exactly. Mind of a, of a, <laughs> a little known group from the seventies, actually called the band. Tell me about the band. Tell me about the band. What I was getting at was that. So, you made me aware of the fact that Steely Dan began as uh, professional songwriters. They tried mm-hmm. to be professional songwriters. It didn't really work out. They ended up recording this album using some of the songs they'd written for sort of brill building purposes and some new material. Expertly summarised. Thank you. Um, so it seems as though this album, they are jumping on a few different wagons at once, riding mm-hmm. a few different trends. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And around this time, there was a certain band of plucky Canadians called The Band, right, who had three male vocalists. They had Lee Von Helm, Rick Danko, and Richard Manuel. Also, in The Ascendant, were Crosby, Stills and Nash, formerly Mm -hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, where, Mm -hmm. again, you have three, in some cases, four main lead vocalists. And so I was listening to... um, CSNY today um, and was just thinking maybe they were trying to tap into a taste at the time for 
a revolving cast of lead vocalists. I mean, it's 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 possible. I think this is the album that I would put most into that kind of category mm. of vaguely rootsy, yeah, rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm just world. I'm just laughing at my own monomania. But yeah, no, quite quite possibly. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, uh, they, they were, I, you know, the excuse is always that Fagan just was scared to sing. But uh, why is that? Why is why that is selective to certain songs? I don't know. Only Fagan himself could say. And perhaps they were simply bandwagon chasing and don't want to admit it after the fact. Yeah. Uh, Midnight Cruiser has, as far as I can tell, no notable covers. Mm-hmm. Um. Except, you know, the stuff on YouTube of... Um, no single releases. Um, it is a... It is a song without a name. Except its name is Midnight Cruiser. Yeah. So, yeah. That is that is the long and short of it. Um, shall we dive straight in with some vibing? I think it's too late to dive straight in. <laughs> okay. Shall we... <laughs> shall we... <laughs> Shall we tentatively paddle <laughs> yeah. into the shallow end? Yeah, I'll get my trunks on. <laughs> okay, let's vibe. Okay. Okay, so um, the vibe for our new listeners, of which I'm sure there's hundreds... Uh, is a quick summarising of the song um, in a kind of sentence or two. It's um, We don't want to talk too much about the music or the lyrics here, which are our next categories, but we want to talk about just kind of how it makes you feel. Mm. How it, you know, how it vibes. Yeah. Good, good vibrations, bad vibrations, just kind of... Barely detectable vibrations. You know what's happening. Where's yeah. your vibe? Mm-hmm. Was that was that a question or just a? <laughs> it was a it was a new character. Okay. Sort of a hippie you might meet in a field who kind of gives you a hug and steals your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for me, the vibe of this song can be encapsulated in two words, and those two words are Top Gear. In that it's in that it cruises at high speed. Yes, but in a in a brash, macho way, I imagine just some fucking idiots with sort of with horrible hair, sunroof down, cruising along the freeway, just thinking they're all that. Do they and, have? And, they, and this song is playing. <laughs> Where are you going, midnight cruiser? <laughs> you know, are they wearing? Stonewash denim and big brown shoes. <laughs> yes, they are. That's exactly what they're wearing. I and, thought they might be. And they're wearing like bead necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> and they sort oh, of. I know it's, them. Yeah, but also they had they they. In social situations, they subscribe to hippie leftist ideals, but really they just love money, cars, and pussy. Yeah, well they're. They're the classic kind of. They're the eagles. They're the classic kind of post sixties uh, Silicon Valley um, jerks, libertarians, really, aren't they? Yeah, 
fine line between a between a hippie and a free Suit. market jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Randian Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. So that's that that's what it conjures for me is blowhards in a fancy car. I would suggest I mean I I, I get that. And mm. I don't. And as I said, we don't want to cross over into music chat too much. But I wonder how much of that has to do with the harmonised guitar solo. Mm, very uh, Thin Lizzy. Yeah. Oh, but, but but I won't hear a bad word said about Thin Lizzy. I've heard say. of Thin Lizzy. Do you want to hear my take on the vibe? <laughs> uh, yeah. Go on then. I might have to do this in a slightly a- ASMR, AMSR, ASMR way. Okay. All right. Get get into the microphone then. A wet wipe. Forgotten in a pocket, then rediscovered hours later by an unsuspecting hand. What does that mean? As in, it's just kind of damp mm. and cloying in, uh, in an unexpectedly, like... You know, that feeling you get when you might have touched a slug. Oh, yeah. Is is Midnight Cruiser for me. Mm. Sorry, when I said, oh, yeah, in that voice then, I didn't mean that I'm sexually excited by slugs. <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> Keep talking. Keep talking. So, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert, it sounds like neither of us particularly enjoy this song. Well, I quite like the verse. Um, mm. When I started listening to the song, I found it quite comforting and warming, like a nice blanket, because it reminded me of Werewolves of London. But what was interesting is that then when I got to the chorus, it very strongly reminded me of Cinnamon Girl by Neil Young. Mm. Uh, and that whole album, Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere, where, as I recall, there are quite a few songs with big choruses and lots of stacked voices and I thought Ugh, heard this before mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting isn't it how sometimes being reminded of something is appealing and other times it's repulsive I mean do you hate Cinnamon Girl and no no no, no sorry of London? I, I should have said I like both of those things that was a key piece of information which I omitted I like mm-hmm. both of those things being reminded of one of them made me feel safe and warm. Hearing the other, being reminded of the other one made me think this is derivative. It's boring. It's hack. Well, I mean, Neil Young does wonders with the boring chorus, in my experience of him. As in, he doesn't. He's never struck me as writing particularly strong choruses, but he um, he always pulls it off. Right. Yeah. Well, your friend and mine, Randy Newman. Oh, please welcome back. Mr. Randy Newman. Randy! Said (laughs) about Neil Young, he's like a little baby. He just rhymes the first thing he thinks of, but it all works out. Well, isn't that lovely? That is lovely. Yeah. It's slightly sort of, seems slightly mean and condescending, but but also kind of... Yeah. Huggy and charming and, yeah. I wonder how Neil Young reacted to that. (laughs) That's that's Randy Newman in a nutshell, isn't it? Snide but lovable. Just like Donald Fagan. Mm, I think Donald Fagan is snide and well, we'll snide see. Snide and off-putting. We'll see. 
Mm. We'll see when you get to uh, the Nightfly if you still think about think about <laughs> Donald Fagan in that way when he reveals his heart to you mm. with his tales of 1950s futurism and listening to jazz on the radio as a young boy underneath the blankets. <laughs> that does sound quite good, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's a how, human underneath it all. How many years away are we from that one? In podcast years or in that album years? <laughs> I was thinking in dog years. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's it's about ten albums away, I think. If oh, we, fuck it out. If, if, we, uh, if we have a break, from, that's if we have a break from Dan. Mm-hmm. To then pick up the solar releases, um, so yeah, it, it'll be a while. You have to get comfortable with this side of Fagan before you see his soft and bouncy side. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to hear what our good friends at somethingelsereviews.com describes it as? Yeah, I would. And somethingelsereviews.com, a uh, bit of context. They're not really our friends. We don't know them. They don't know us. Um, they are do they did a similar thing or one of their writers did a similar thing to us. It turns out we learned too late mm-hmm. uh, where they where he he listens to and reviews every Steely Dan song with infinitely more uh, uh, more wisdom and a, and a better sense of brevity mm-hmm. um, than our kind of drunken ramblings through yeah. the the blocks surrounding Steely Dan. Uh, but anyway, they said he said. Uh, it combines the genteel stroll of country with a syncopated, piano-driven harmonic structure that's sort of a folk-jazz hybrid. I'm not sure I agree with that. No, in what in what way do you disagree? Uh, in that it sounds to me more squarely in the soft rock category than anything country-tinged or folk-tinged. And also, I don't think I don't think it's very jazzy. It's got that one change out of the chorus. It goes to an unexpected chord. Although going to an unexpected chord should not be considered jazzy. Well, uh, I think when he's talking about syncopated piano-driven harmonic structures, Mm -hmm. he must be talking about that little bit pre-chorus where the beat almost turns round on itself. Yeah. Do you know the bit I mean? I do know the bit you mean, and I um, don't like it because it makes the chorus sound like it comes in too soon every single time. It does, it does, and it only highlights the kind of um, the sickening, <laughs> like, um, yeah, like soft rock light style of the chorus. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, sickening is maybe a strong word, but uh, I mean, let's get this straight. I basically consider this to be possibly the worst Steely Dan song. Oh wow! Um, in in uh, at least in the original run of albums from "Can't Buy a Thrill" to "Gaucho," mm-hmm. um, it's, it, the the two albums they released when they reformed are kind of different beasts in a lot of ways, and kind of need to be considered separately. But yeah, I I, I can't think of a song in the whole Steely Dan original canon which I just think just. Uh, uh, there are songs later on which I which kind of don't do it for me. This one, mm. I, this one actively makes me a bit cross. Okay, so can you put your finger on what it is that makes you cross? It's because well, the me, reason the reason I ask is because it's not a million miles away from dirty work. No, especially it's not the a million... chorus. 
It's and not a million miles away from dirty work. We both agreed that dirty work is class. Yes, but I mean, then comes the in- intangible nuances of music and emotion. Yeah, all right. You know, uh, well, <laughs> what I'm saying, yeah, they are they are very similar. But whereas dirty work kind of hits upon this this kind of universal sense of nostalgia and 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 hopefulness. Saudaji, mm. um, saudaji, um, as you said in episode two. Yeah, at length. <laughs> um, we uh, Midnight Cruiser just feels just feels like uh, a slick, sweaty, soft rock chorus just coming in from nowhere. Mm. Like you say, it's a thin line on mm. the yacht. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I will add as well that you know, uh, if we're gonna get hate mail, I'm sure we won't get any. But it it will probably be about with, about this because as far as I can tell, this is quite a this is quite quite a well liked deep cut. Oh really? Something else reviews dot com, which uh, I may you may have heard of, uh, described this as one of the better deep cuts on Steely Dan's debut. Um, I've seen people, uh, you know, in their infinite wisdom YouTube commenters saying this is amazing. Mm. More people should know this song. Yeah, yeah. It seems well liked for a for a little known Steely Dan song, um, so y- y- you know I'm not going. I, I, I maybe not. I'm maybe going against the prevailing opinion here, but um, it doesn't get much worse. I, uh, the reason, if you ask me to put my finger on it, mm. which you did, is, I mean, it's kind of. It it does to me like blend a, a lot. A few elements in a way that a lot of songs in this album do in that sense that kind of you get the feeling that Steely Dan are kind of finding their feet with this album they're trying different styles um, mm. they've mixed different styles on on their palette for this song that it's come out as like just beige utter beige mm. as beige as beige gets you what do what do they call that black that's like blacker than any black Vanta black this is like Van. This is like Vanta beige, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I, and to me, what I think what annoys me about this song is that in this song, I hear what people who don't like Steely Dan describe Steely Dan as. Oh, your voice started shaking when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a little surge of emotion. I was. I, I was. A, I, was yeah. I felt myself getting a bit angry. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, God. We need we need more of that. Because <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, we're on episode four, so our personalities, our personae, are still solidifying. Personae. <laughs> and it. You're quite right. It is that, isn't it? But it just sounds so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, was... fine. <laughs> but what what I'm thinking is that, you know, in our, uh, in our wildest dreams. Probably our personae will be, you know, sort of enthusiastic great wit and sceptical great wit, or you know what I mean. But it may be that your persona is the guy who gets kind of tearfully angry, and mine is the guy who just goes on and on about the band <laughs> as much as the, all the so fucking time. I, I, I will. So, so I, I uh, after drinks, and I, I am sober tonight, as I've pointed out. Mm-hmm. But after drinks, I have been known to get like really tearful about really pathetic things, mm. music-wise, in in just getting like 
<laughs> swept up with emotion. And yeah. I'll tell you one of those things, mm-hmm. um, which is very embarrassing. So I remember, I remember tearing up in a <laughs> uh, in a in a Spanish restaurant, um, mm. describing to my partner the true meaning of <laughs> the true meaning of <laughs> Texas Midnight Runners. Come on, Eileen. Okay. The, um, the which, true meaning of the lyrics, or its well, oh, emotional it, import. It would take a whole. It would take a whole episode to just to, to talk about it. So let's just leave it as a uh, as a tantalising nugget. But okay. um, but yeah, that or or just basically, if I listen to if if I listen to Kate Bush drunk, basically like I'm I'm a kind of like mid fifties housewife who used to used to wear like silk. Um, but in in the uh, in the body of a chubby brummy guy. My dad was a tool maker. He sort of worked hard and played hard. I have a theory about the song. Yep. Great. At least lyrically speaking, mm-hmm. um, and I won't spend too long on this because we do describe this occasionally as the listen along Steely Dan podcast. And for those who aren't familiar with Steely Dan, I am going to reference a future Dan classic here. Oh, um, so for you, Andrew, who is not familiar with the work of Mister Steely Dan, mm. will uh, you know. And, and for anyone in the audience, apologies, but this is for the Dan Stands, okay? I think this song is a lyrical prototype of the masterwork from Asia that is Deacon Blues. So we have we have with this song, they basically share similar themes. So we have a protagonist who idolises jazz stars, you have Thelonious Monk, your Midnight Cruiser, mm-hmm. and just kind of saxophone players and dancers and decadence in general in Deacon Blues. You have protagonists who drive around aimlessly. So mm-hmm. in Midnight Cruiser, you have... Drive me to Harlem, or somewhere the same. And in Deacon Blues, you have... I'll drink scotch whiskey all night long and die behind the wheel. So these, there's this vehicular metaphors going on Mm. um and you have these you have these kind of you have these characters who revel in their own loserdom as well so in deacon blues the singer wants to kind of live the life live the tragic life of a jazz saxophonist and of course in midnight cruiser i am another gentleman loser Mm. so they seem to be, it's it's, I mean these are poles apart in terms of quality, as I've as far as I'm concerned. But it's almost like, it's almost like this is a prototype for the lyrical ideas, of of Deacon Blues, and uh, well Deacon Blues is is, it's kind of vague about whether the guy is living out his fantasy or, or just outright kind of fantasizing. Um, mm. Midnight Cruiser is much more kind of direct. Seems to be about a guy just driving around New York listening to Thelonious Monk. 
As far oh, as I can it, tell. He's not actually inviting a guy called Thelonious into his car. Well, um, you know, what, what it brings to mind for me is sticking some Thelonious on the 8-track, on the uh, driving endlessly and aimlessly around New York City, mm-hmm. listening to some jazz, and basically wondering where your life has gone, but in a quite quite a kind of you know, like I say, a celebration of your own loserdom. You, you kind of like, you kind of like. I'm aimless and I love it. <laughs> I really like the second verse. The world that we used to know. People tell me it don't turn no more. The places we used to go, familiar faces that ain't smiling like before. The time of our time has come and gone. I fear we've been waiting too long. I think it's very sweet. And I also really like the phrase, the time of our time has come and gone. I like the tautology of the time of our time. Mm. Um, I don't have anything especially detailed to say about it. I just think it sums up sort of harking back to some lost world quite nicely. Yeah, and you know what? I think you're right. And I have never given... I, I didn't even give the lyrics enough thought in preparation for this podcast in terms right. of taking an objective look at them because I was just like, I don't like this song. Mm. So the lyrics are bad and stupid except they're kind of like Deacon Blues, which I love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that is that is lovely. The time of our time. Nice rhetorical The time of our time has device. come and gone. It sounds like T.S. Eliot. The time of our time has come and gone. Do not go gently into that good night. That's still in time. The time of our time has come and gone. I know. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so who's he talking to in the chorus? Tell me, where are you driving, Midnight Cruiser? Where is your bounty of fortune and fame? I am another gentleman loser. Drive me to Harlem, or somewhere the same. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I kind of assumed he was talking to himself. Yeah, that's what I thought just now. Is he's like he's drink driving clearly, and he's starting to drink driving. Yeah, he started to drool down his Hawaiian shirt, and he's just going, "Where are you driving, Midnight Cruiser?" As as. (laughs) In the distance, a police siren approaches. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was gonna make, I was gonna make a foot. I was gonna be famous. Yeah. Um, also, the last line of the chorus is "Drive me to Harlem or somewhere the same," which, when I listened to the song, I thought was a bit of a damp rhyme. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know, "Drive me to Harlem or somewhere the same," especially because it's like. Or somewhere the same. You know, it's quite a like grand delivery of that line. Mm-hmm. I thought they were just filling up the rhymes. But I wonder, does it mean that the Harlem they used to know has now been made homogenous and now it just resembles any other part of New York? But I don't think that was the, that was the case in 1972. But even by that time, surely... That it was different from the uh, yeah it would the have, Harlem yeah, of, the, of the 40s of the the jazz golden age mm. yeah um, yeah uh, 
Am I giving or... Steely Dan too much credit again? No, I don't think so. This is clearly a song about lost past. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Um, the time that was and the times that were and the times that never shall be. In a, in a, in a slightly more condescending and insensitive way, they might just be saying, drive me to a rundown place like Harlem in the 1970s, as mm-hmm. they see it, or because, or somewhere the same, because that's all I deserve. Yeah, yeah. As, as a loser. So it's like, drive me to Dudley. It would be like saying, drive me to Dudley, yeah, yeah. precisely, or... Hagley. Um, <laughs> drive, me to, drive me to Hell's Owen. Hitting it with the with the local jokes again. <laughs> I I I love Hales Owen and I will have nothing bad said against Hales Owen or Thin Lizzy. <laughs> what uh what are the plus points of Hales Owen? I've never been. Uh, uh nice good good black country pubs. Hmm. Well that does sound good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly the kind of place where they produce the ales that you sip at. Like, Did I? Like a like a little alcoholic pig with an <laughs> ale producing teat. What? Within I'm reach not... of your snout. Your what? snivelling snout. One day these questions will be answered in a splendid exegesis. Andrew, I have a feeling this episode is gonna be a little short. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you exhausted everything you want to say about Midnight Cruiser? Well, yeah. I would be interested, kind of for my own edification, to think some more about who the Midnight Cruiser is, the identity of Thelonious, um, and when the gentrification of Harlem happened. But I think that will all be on my own time. I don't think we're going to answer any of those questions tonight. Well, if anyone wants to write in and discuss that with Andrew, um, please feel free. I won't be doing that now. So, Andrew... Mm Mm-hmm. We have our rating system, traditional, oh, in yeah. place. Um, is this a royal scam or a royal slam? Royal scam being bad and royal slam being good. Where do you place it? Surprise, surprise. It's a big old scam from me. I just think it's quite tight trousered. I think you can mm. see the outline of the cock and balls against the the tight, tight mm, trousers. Yeah. And it, it puts me off a bit because I feel that that, as little as I've enjoyed two out of the three other tracks that we've listened to, I don't think they are macho, mm-hmm. you know? So Do It Again and Kings I didn't especially enjoy, but they're not swaggering cock rock, whereas this does feel to me a bit, just a bit uh, alpha. It's, a, it's like thinking blokes cock rock, isn't it? But it's still cock rock. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Exegesis, your listen-along Steely Dan podventure. If you'd like to follow us on the old sock meds, you can do so on... Instagram and Facebook at Countdown to Exegesis or on Twitter at Exegesis Pod. And uh, just to be frank and candid, it's me, Andrew, who is uh, captaining these social media accounts. 
I'm the one churning out Steely Dan memes without fully understanding what the joke is. Great, and we should also mention that we have a old-fashioned email account at countdowntoexegesis at gmail.com in case anyone wants to get in touch with any longer-form queries or suggestions. And we can also be followed individually, myself via my band, The Nature Centre, which is The Nature Centre on everywhere except Instagram, which is The Nature Centre Band, and that's The Nature Centre spelt in the Commonwealth fashion. How about you, Andrew? You can follow me on one of two avenues. Uh, one is my band Obman's Box, which is spelled O-D-M-A-N-S-B-O-X. Or you can follow me in my solo guise as William William Rogers. Uh, that's Rogers with a D, so R-O-D-G-E-R-S. And that's on all the usual sock meds. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, give us a review, thumbs up, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps. Cheers! Hi Ollie, it's Andrew. Um, hope you're good. I actually saw you on the high street uh, yesterday, but you were walking very quickly and you had your hat pulled down over your, your eyes. So anyway, didn't get a chance to catch up. Um, it's just a quick one. Basically, listening back to episode three, I noticed right at the end you left in that voicemail I sent you. And, you know, I, I, it's a good joke. I see what you're doing there. Um, but it makes me look a little bit foolish because, you know, I was asking you to make an edit and... and uh, correct something I'd said and you know you left that in so I I end up looking like a bit of a bit of a dickhead so um yeah just a, just a, a kind of polite request maybe if uh if that situation comes about again if you could just make the edit and uh and and we're good to go all right um hope to see you soon um bye-bye